Father, we had come here together to not learn more about only about you, but also learn more about ourselves. And Father, we want to acknowledge our failures, and we come here to learn how we can improve on our failures. We ask, Father, that you would convict each one of us, that as we would discuss this topic on being a godly leader, a godly father in our homes, the responsibilities that we bear, that your heart, that you would convict our hearts so that we can go home and hopefully be changed people. And we ask you to do it through your Holy Spirit and through your conviction, for we ask it in Jesus' name. When I was asked to do this forum, I was excited because it would be something that I can learn about. Um, I have a 17-year-old, and I also have a 6-year-old, and I have in between. Although as I further examined the content of the forum, I found myself lacking. But the reason why I was excited about this forum is hopefully I can learn from you. Um, I, I felt inadequate. I'm only 38 years old. I have a long way to go. Sometimes it's tedious. Sometimes it's stressful. And sometimes it's joyous. Being a father, I found, was, is a roller coaster ride. There are many lows and sometimes few highs. But I don't want to end this on a negative level. I want maybe for us to get to a level where we can interact, maybe share some disappointments, share some challenges, share some failures, but also share some victories. The reason being is when our children came out, there wasn't a tag at the end of their toe that said, follow these instructions. We have the Bible, and... The Bible has the answer to every specific problem that we have. But the difficulty that we run into that is that, I, is, is that when we would look into it, sometimes when in the heat of the moment, it becomes difficult to interpret and, and apply and make it simple to understand and to implement. This forum is not a time where we would point fingers at each other. There may be some embarrassing moments, some shameful moments, and some victorious moments. And based on that, we have a variety of individuals here today, some who are new fathers, as I look into the audience, some that I would hope would come to learn from others' mistakes or to understand what I could anticipate in the raising of my child. Also another factor that we always have to remember, always have to remember, is that there isn't a recipe. You can't beat the eggs, put in the flour, and put in the sugar and get fluff. It simply doesn't work that way all the time. Which means that each one of our little people that we have at home are all so very, very different. And it's a challenge to us fathers as leaders in our home that we would recognize these challenges, that we would recognize these differences 
and therefore implement whatever needs to be done based upon the differences. You will hear at home, such as I always hear from my kids, and I'm one out of eight, and I said the same thing. It's not fair, so-and-so didn't get it, you know. Uh, that's because so-and-so is different. They're, you know, older, expected more, younger, not as important. So these are just factors that we need to keep in our minds as becoming godly and spiritual fathers. That we would not only know how to raise these young people in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as a responsibility which God lays on each one of our hearts. And based upon that, I'm thankful that everyone came, and, and hopefully I'd like the interaction to take place. Um, feel free and share maybe some mistakes. I'm glad that, and, and I'm thankful that we have some older brothers here who are possibly empty nesters who would be able to say, looking back, this I could have done better, or this I did and it worked, which means for the rest of us that maybe when we fall out, find ourselves in a similar situation that we have some type of guidelines in which we can use and, and, and try and, and, and see what part of the puzzle fits and works with the different personalities of our children. So if, if we would just start on, 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 a, on a simple basic level just, just to get ourselves comfortable with each other, and maybe start getting ourselves comfortable with sharing with each other. Share with me, share with us, the class, the group. What are some fond memories, some fond events that you remember that you had experienced with your father? Brother Tony. Actually, I think the single most important basic principle is that children are gifts from God. They're a blessing from the Lord, and they're not obstacles in trying to style. Absolutely, that's primary. Thank you for bringing that up. Children are a blessing from the Lord. They are, they are not something that cramps your style or gets in your way of doing whatever you want. I think that's part of being a leader is being a servant. That when you serve, you are actually implementing leadership in that service. Um, actually, Proverbs 17, uh, 6 tells us, and, and that's something I wanted to get into a little further down, is about... Uh, how come we as grandparents do a better job with our grandchildren than we as parents do with our children? And we, I'd like to uh, go into that just a little bit. Yes, Brother Dave. The fondest memories that I have um, with my father were times when we, we went fishing together. You know, we did things together. It was, it was my dad and my brother and I. And if it wasn't fishing, it was maybe in the middle of winter, you know, going to a boat show just to look at boats. We, didn't, we never bought any boats there. You know, my dad always says that we always kept looking at him saying it wasn't as nice as the one we had at home, which was an old one. But still, it was, they were just time together, just doing things. And my dad will say he'd never spent enough time with us. From his perspective, it wasn't enough. From ours, I think my brother and I, we remember them all. Good. So time spent, and, and, and primarily for you, it was fishing. Fishing, yeah. Boat shows, good. Specific things. Yes, Brother Bob. Playing soccer. Brother, Brother Don. I think that spending time, I would have to say, was the best thing that you can do. I remember my son, I worked a lot. I'm self employed. Especially then, you were hustling to make whatever you could. He'd bring the ball up. And I just made it a point to put down whatever I was doing and go through a 
time to fly by, you know, spend as much time as you can with it. And I thought I spent a lot of time, but it did fly by. At, at what age, Brother Don? Um, at what age did I spend time? Right. I tried to spend the whole time. I mean, this is the first year that he didn't come to Keith, and he's really kind of upset that he didn't get to come in 21 years. It's the first year, and I remember pushing him at Massanet in a, in a stroller. So, All right. I mean, it's the most time that you can spend. Uh, I think that's the greatest thing you can do for your kids. Very good. Yes, Brother Tom. You know, I didn't have a large family, but even with two siblings, a lot of times you get clumped in together as the children, and I think the more time I can remember more specifically is when like, my dad and I went camping together and I was just him and me and it was, it was uh, you know, one-on-one where I wasn't one of the children, I was, you know, a person. Very good, Brother Ted. I'll have to take a look at it another way, brothers. Uh, I don't have memory of that. You see, I didn't have. I didn't know. When you grow up as an illegitimate child, there's something that you really miss. Just having a father. And that, in today's age, is even more important to have somebody there that they all the time. Very good point. Brother Ted, did you find that in the absence of, of your own father, though, how did that change you as a father? I don't know because uh, there was no role model to follow. Correct. Uh, so you do things on your own and you learn things on your own the best you can and that's that's the thing you know uh, when you have not grown up with someone that you can say well how did they do it because I know now when we do things you know I see Mark and Darren doing things that's how we did it that's what you talk about right in, in the relationship that, uh, that Helen and I had, that's what, those are the kind of things that, that they talk about it and they, they deal with. But I didn't have that. So it's, it was a great disadvantage that I had and that's why I want you brothers that have that opportunity to cherish that. Look back on the day. Get that appreciation. Thank you for sharing with us, Brother Ted. I remember my father. Always worked very late, and um, he had his own business, and there were eight of us, one right after another. Didn't spend a lot of time with us until we became teenagers. 13, 14. What he did was he bought a boat. And we, as little boys, were spit-polishing this 1960-some-odd-old beater puddle hopper, and that was our pride, because when Daddy got home on Saturday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we went boating. So we'd drive an hour to the lake, it would be about 5 o'clock, and we would drive that boat all around that lake while my father was sitting in the front seat 
asleep, and his head is bopping because of the waves. <laughs> Poor guy worked all, you know, he, he worked all week, 18 hours a day and so on, full days on Saturday, and we didn't have our license or nothing, and this, thank the Lord that by 5 o'clock that evening, everybody was off the lake, but we would plow that lake like you would not believe, and his head would just be bouncing, and we're just amazed how he can sleep through all that. Brother T- I remember feeling it a privilege when my dad would take me to work in the knitting mill on Saturdays. And that may not sound like a fun thing to do, but, but he would give me a job that I could manage in the pulling staples out of boxes. And I got 75 cents for that whole morning, which was three times my weekly allowance. And, and that was a work ethic that he... That he instilled, but yet also value. Yes. Instilled value in you as a person. Yes, Brother Chris. That would be fine. I. That would be fine. Brother Eric, and then we'll get Brother Jeff. Uh, one thing as kids growing up, we had uh, one thing It was important to my father, and I think it was important from his father to him also, and he's passed this along to us, that uh, he got us some dirt bikes to just drive around on the trails with, and he actually had one himself and got went out with us. Uh, not all the time. We would go out by ourselves also, but... Uh, uh, and I remember him saying that about his, uh, well, he may want to speak himself, but uh, his, his father got him uh, dart carts and things and just took an interest in, in what kids like and, and not just trying to throw something that's, uh, that, that they wouldn't necessarily like at him and here, just play with this, and be, you know, but took an active interest and, uh, and bought us those dirt bikes that you know, weren't necessarily cheap either, but uh, was really impressed with that. It's interesting how these little things make an impact, actually. Brother Chris, can you take the mic to Brother um, Jeff in the back? It's interesting how these little things, although right now it might seem so insignificant and yet is so monumental so many years afterwards. Yes, Brother Jeff? Uh, I don't have much memory of my dad being at home. Uh, Sometimes I think he had like three jobs. He worked uh, to keep food on the table. My memories are like he came home and spanked us when my mother told him what we did (laughs) during the day. (laughs) I'm sure you can find something, Brother Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, but when we were traveling, which he liked to do, uh, I see it so different from me. I'm always in a rush. When we got to a rest area, he stopped, got the ball gloves out, and we played ball on a road. And most of us are going like crazy to get to the next place and getting everybody back in. But he took time. Wow, powerful. Any others before we continue? Yes, Brother Bob. Our work was all around us. We had cattle that needed to be milked twice a day, 6 o'clock right on the nose, and I became a bit weary of the work ethic. But, <laughs> but, but I was very athletic, and my brother was not. I mean, I mean my brother, uh, his, his, he couldn't even wave bye-bye with his right hand. He was a left-hander. And, and so somebody to pitch a ball back and forth, he was not the guy, even though he made gallant efforts, even spent some hard-earned allowance, and he really thought over before he spent those nickels, uh, bought a ball mitt, but just, and my father realized uh, that, that, and after a long, hard day's work, my dad would play ball with me, and uh, to me, that, that, that meant a lot. Thank you for sharing. Yes, brother. I saw a bumper sticker not too long ago that said, children spell uh, P-I-M-E. Thank you. Very, very, very applicable. That didn't sound good. (sighs) 
what are some things that you plan on teaching your children? Brother Fred. Okay. Um, specifically, how? Specifically. Let's be specific in some of the things that we want to teach our children. Even with my two-year-old, I try every night to have him repeat a simple prayer after me. And even after he's been crying, that seems to be a stabilizing factor in his night. Very good. Brother Bob? Something that I didn't have as I was growing up um, that... Uh, that actually my wife has instilled in me is we pull out the Bible after dinner and it's a picture Bible with, um, you know, quite loosely interpreted at times, but, you know, we tell stories and we read the Bible and the girls go through and they want to read five, six stories. Sometimes we're almost late for church on a Wednesday night because we're reading stories, <laughs> but uh, we read the Bible and then we sing some songs and then we pray together after every meal. Very good. Brother, like to encourage that, the idea of having uh, a devotion time and maybe after supper is a good time. It always was for us. We, I can't say that we did it every night, but many a night it did work out and the kids would groan sometimes and they didn't feel like, um, you know, they really wanted to do this and there were other things to do and places to go and things to see. And yet I would insist that we sit for an extra 10 minutes, that we would discuss something from the scripture Sometimes one of the children would do it. I would do it most of the time, uh, but simply insisted. I felt it was my responsibility in the family to uh, lead or give a spiritual example of what it is and what it means to be a Christian and that we need to find things in everyday life that uh, we can tie down to uh, biblical examples. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes you see things out in the mall or elsewhere that you'd rather not your children see or hear on the radio or what have you. And those offer good times to compare and contrast. Well, that's how the world sees this, or that's how your friends do it. What's different? Why, how do we do it differently? Why do we do it differently? Okay. Uh, what does the Bible say about this? And try to tie in those daily things in their daily walk that they can relate to because you start thinking along those lines when you're young, it's easier to start to continue thinking along those lines as you get older. And Brother, now when the family gets together, it's obviously fewer, and, uh, but things are much different. They'll look forward to that time when we can spend some time around the word and some time in prayer, one for another, but also for others. Brother Dave, is it ever too late to start? No, I would say it's not too late to start. I would encourage you to make the habit early on, first of all for yourself, to do it because it is easy and wives like to get the tables cleaned and get things going and there may be places to go and maybe on church night you don't do it, but it's never too late to start. I, I would start it early if I had the choice. Good. And I think we do have the choice. Yes. Brother Bob? I remember... Uh, One second, Mike, come. I remember a brother in Mansfield uh, had a home that was close to a park, and the city park commission decided to show movies every Wednesday night 
in that little park, and the kids could literally sit on their porch and watch the screen. He had planned an activity for Wednesday night for the entire summer that was more exciting for his kids than sitting on a porch watching the movie. That I believe is so important that when we as parents find that there are some objectionable um, activities which are going to take place in school, that it is important that we learn to plan alternate activities, hopefully more exciting than what's at school, so that the children would be more willing to go somewhere else and do something. Well, my, my, my parents had the wisdom in doing that. Prom night, we always went somewhere else. Uh, there was a lake in Arizona, Lake Mead, or, or Nevada. We'd go up to Lake Mead for that weekend. So when they said, Sam, it's prom night, I said, I'm out of town. I'm going to a Lake Mead. You know, and, and, and so in a, in a, as a result, the kids were more jealous of me going to Lake Mead than they would have you know, gone to the prom. And, and, and so that was something that was um, important to my parents, is, is always planning a diversion. And it's important to speak to your wives about that. Brother Ted. We had, <clears throat> we had a, uh, an example with, between two of our children uh, talking about prom nights. Uh, Mark, being the oldest, being very individualistic. He had, prom night didn't mean a thing to him. So we let him go because we knew within a half an hour he was back. How did you know that? Because we saw him grow that way. Because you okay? knew the temperament of your child. Right. Now, Tim was a different story. And then Tim said, he wanted to go. We said, no. And Tim said, but you let Mark go. And we had to answer him. We knew that because we knew what he felt about. And we also know that that would be, to you, the most important thing because that's where you find your joy. That'll be a detriment. Okay? So we took them somewhere else with another. It was friend Jan Moore and, and us and took the kids out to the Hilton for a nice dinner. I'm not sure he ever really liked that idea. Uh, and at, at that point, our, we felt our responsibility was not that. But one of the things that we wanted to learn, or at least teach our children, by example, was that we loved the church, we loved the brotherhood, and we loved God. They knew that from the first day until now. Don't know what Tim wanted to do with that. That's his own. But the other two, at least, has at least accepted that, and we're thankful for that. Thank you. But, but where do you find this in the Bible? It's, it, it's a wise... Um, it's a wise way of diverting the attention of, of something that could be potential damage and detriment to, to an individual, uh, to, to your children. I mean, scripture doesn't teach that, and, and that's what I was wrestling with, or does it? We'll go to Brother Don, and then there was another hand, Brother Fred. I'm glad Brother Ted shared that because I think it's important that um, we realize that our kids don't have to like 
um, what we tell them. They don't have to like what we decide. And, and the way he did it, it, I think that is a phenomenal example to um, explain why I'm not letting you go. Um, a number of times we've let our kids explain their point of view with the realization that they're not going to get what they want just because they tell us. But we give them the opportunity to explain their side of it, and then we explain to them why you're not going. And, and I think that's a, an awesome example that Brother Ted shared. I'm Thank thankful. You. And you still have the last word. Right. Let, let, let's not get confused. Brother Fred. Again, Brother Sam, my comment is more general than specific, but you went on to explain more. I jumped up. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Thank you. And, and I, I do want to go back to that scripture, but the reality, and I asked how we're going to do this, and these are some excellent, excellent ways of, of really fathering, uh, being um, not only the examples that Brother Ted was talking about, but... but Help me out here. Uh, scripture, scripture doesn't teach this method, or, or does it? I think the, uh, that the um, Go ahead. scripture that Fred quoted is exactly that. I mean, that isn't just teach them how they're supposed to, to behave and, and they're going to grow like that. I think that takes into account. We have to know the trees. We don't prune all trees the same. We don't water all trees the same. And I think that's exactly what it's talking about. Very good. The way that tree is bent, the way its natural growth or the potential that it has for God, we have to recognize that in the child. I think that's what that verse is saying. And, and, and I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it doesn't say thou shalt do this, that, and the other thing. It gives us a general statement. But within this general statement, it allows us to look within ourselves and be creative in ways that will allow us to fulfill the scripture. I, I just had, in terms of scripture, just um, several scripture references of, of a father's duty. Uh, like I said, I, in areas that I lack in experience, I, you know, uh, Scripture teaches, and I try to implement this also. Brother Fred, can you, um, Brother Warner, can you turn to uh, Deuteronomy 6, 7, um, and also turn to that Scripture that you had there, Proverbs 22, 6. Brother Dave, can you uh, look up 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Brother John, Ephesians 6, 4. Brother Ted, Brother Ted, uh, 1 Timothy 3.4, and Brother Jimmy, if you can find 1 John 3.18, and also Brother um, Tony, Matthew 7.11. Okay. Uh, the, the duties that are outlined in Scripture, first is it, our responsibility is to teach, and the Scripture is Deuteronomy 6.7. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Very good. Next duty is our, these are responsibilities God-given. And you know what, brothers? This is not an option. It is not if you have time in your busy schedule. It is not, you know, uh, we know that you get home tired from work. We get home tired from work. We just simply don't want to deal with some issues, and we want to leave it to our spouse, our wives. And, and we, don't, you know, go in our room and shut the door. This is not an option. These are responsibilities, God-given, God-ordained, and God is going to look into our hearts to see, are we fulfilling his scripture? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Thank you. And it's also our responsibility to provide for, Brother Dave. 2 Corinthians 12, 14, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, 
and they will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Thank you, Brother John. It's also our responsibility to nurture. And ye fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's interesting. We always read that we need to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We don't talk too much about not provoking our children to wrath. I, I see in my own disciplinary action, when, when, when I, I in, institute discipline, that when it gets to a point where I see that it's having the adverse effect, I need to back down and back away from and step down because I don't want to provoke him to wrath, Brother John. If I can give a failure example. Um, when we, we have a long driveway, and in the wintertime, before I had a snowblower, I had kids and me would shovel the snow. And uh, Tom and I did not shovel snow the same way. And I thought he did not know how to do it, and he wouldn't listen to my directions. How it, now, how complicated can snow shoveling be, really? And the only, and I know I provoked him to wrath, and I feel I apologize yet to him for that. But the only way we ended up working it out is, Tom, you start at that end, and I'll start at this end. And wherever we meet, that'll be fine. <laughs> well, that was a good compromise. Brother Dave, don't go too far with the mic. Let me give you an, an, an interesting example. It kind of works along with that. It's a little humorous, but it really is true. Um, my father is a German, and he was a dye maker. And I am a German, and I dye was maker. a tool maker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I remember growing up, um, when I was about 15 years old, my parents bought the camp out at the lake. And every year, it was time to put the dock in. And my dad did the work and had a four-foot level. Um, even though there was a six-mile long and a mile-wide level underneath the dock, but we always with a four-foot level. But it was choppy. <laughs> <laughs> and dad always did that. And as much as we tried to help, we brought him the parts, and he leveled off the dock. And then Dad, trying to do things by himself one time, uh, the board slipped, and he messed up his back. And so he sat on the shore, and I had to put the dock in. With the four-foot level. Four level. <laughs> and my sons were there, and my sons watched me put the dock in. They couldn't do it right, you see. Um, and years went by, and I put the dock in by myself while my son watched. Now, my son works for a marine supply house and installs the very docks. And it only was last year when I would be willing to say, Mike, yeah, you can put the dock in. You know, because, because he couldn't do it as well as I would. And now I still, you know, I'm watching him. Well, Mike, you need to, Mike, Mike, you need, he does it for a living. He is a professional dock installer. But, but the same thing, you know, dad always had to do it best. My kids never grab a paintbrush at home. My kids, you know, I, I have a 15-year-old son that I promised him when I get home from camp, he's going to be allowed to cut the grass with the riding mower because I'm always worried he isn't going to do it the way I want it done. That's stupid, you know. Well, He's a, he, he mows my dad's lawn, <laughs> but, but he can't mow mine. Okay, good. It's, it's interesting, but you know what, brothers? Scripture teaches us also that it's our responsibility to, it might be the C word, it's our responsibility to control. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. 
First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Uh, Some thoughts. The one, one thought always comes with this is a, a little thing I used to have in my wallet. I gave my last one away. I have to make another copy. But it was a letter that a father wrote to his son. And it was, I, I originally found it in the Ann Landers column. And it talked about the relationship of the father to the son. He said, You're not, we're not buddies. We're in a different plane. Our responsibilities are different. Everything about us are different. And yet, we are placed together by God. And I have the responsibility to do things and plan things. You might not like them. That's not the question here. God is holding me responsible. And that's the gravity of the fact that and by God's grace, I will do what God wants me to do. And one day, though it's painful, one day, you're going to have children of your own. Then you will understand. Correct. Obviously, the scripture in the context in which it's written is, is, is uh, the office of a bishop or a deacon within the church. But we can see how the importance that Apostle Paul had put uh, how he emphasized the scripture for the sake of the church, for the proper direction that the church would have, because the reality is, 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 is as, as scripture had detail, uh, outlined. And it is also primarily our responsible also to love, 1 John 3.18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. How many of us said to our kids, I love you. But then they say, Daddy, take me to buy a piece of candy or let's throw, play ball with me. And I, the, the true love that your child will, your child will remember, not, not what you communi communicated out of your mouth, but what you communicated through your actions would be to do that. Brother Tony. Matthew seven eleven, If ye then, being evil, know know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Even, even those outside of Christ know this concept and the giving of the selflessness of ourselves as fathers to our children, and yet how much more God would, would give to us. We talked a little bit about the Father's responsibility in spiritual development of his family. And we also talked a little bit about the different tendencies our children would have. We talked about their different personalities. We talked about how we can help our family grow spiritually. But let's talk about that a little bit more in detail. How can we help, you know, help our families grow spiritually? And be specific, Brother uh, 
this verse, provoke not your children to wrath, uh, Warner Leimgruber said in a sermon a long, long time ago that, that uh, um, well, he didn't say this, you can't expect your children not to be angry with decisions you make or limits you put there, but it makes all the difference in the world when you communicate to your children that these are not your parental discretion. These are limits that you place on yourself as well. They come from the Bible. And, you know, holy living and righteous lifestyle and all that, the same things you impose on yourself, you're imposing on your children. And that, that you know, takes away the provoking part. It won't remove the wrath part, but at least you didn't provoke them out of your own uh, selfishness. But these are the same standards you impose on yourself. I... Uh my 17-year-old is at a point where when I want to give him a hug or a kiss, he pushes me away. How about a handshake? You know, one of those deals. So that's not acceptable to me. So I will wrestle him to the ground. I mean, here you have two grown men wrestling in the family room with my wife in the background screaming, stop it, stop it. And I finally, obviously, I'm just a little bit, you know, he... He's getting there, and I know that I can't do it too much more. <laughs> it won't be long. But I finally wrestle him to the ground, and I give him a kiss, and then I get up and I walk away. One time we were talking, and he says, you know, Dad, so-and-so, his dad doesn't really love him so much. I said, well, how do you know that, son? What's the evidence? I mean, you know, he does all the same things we do. He says, his dad doesn't wrestle him to the ground and give him a kiss. <laughs> as much as he hated that, he needed that. I mean, that's just something I simply didn't. I didn't know how important it was to you, but I knew it was important to me because I wanted to give him a kiss. So even now with these pork chop sideburns that I don't like and there are things that I got to put aside, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, to what degree do we allow and, and, and not allow? You know, you don't really get skin when you give him a kiss. You get, but, but see, the little things that we think is, is not important really is. We'll go to Brother Tony and then Brother Don. And to confirm what Brother Paul has said, um, Daniel and Peter are in OSU for the last few years, and they were challenged not to drink any alcohol because that will be conducive to all sorts of things down at the university. And these are the same limits we put on ourselves. I haven't had a drink in, in three years. Not that I was a drunkard before, but to tell them that we're supporting you by doing the same thing. We're putting the same limits on us. And um, I guess... Thank God that has worked. Background screaming, stop it, stop it. And I finally, obviously, I'm just a little bit, you know, he, he, he's getting there. And I know that I can't do it too much more. <laughs> it won't be long. But I finally wrestle him to the ground. And I give him a kiss. And then I get up and I walk away. One time we were talking. And he says, you know, Dad, so-and-so, his dad doesn't really love him so much. I said, well, how do you know that, son? What, what's the evidence? I mean, you know, he, he does all the same things we do. He says, his dad doesn't wrestle him to the ground and give him a kiss. <laughs> as much as he hated that, he needed that. I mean, that's just something I simply didn't. I didn't know how important it was to you, but I knew it was important to me because I wanted to give him a kiss. So even now with these pork chop sideburns that I don't like and there are things that I got to put aside, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, to what degree do we allow and, and, and not allow? You know, you don't really get skin when you give him a kiss. You get... But, but see, the little things that we think is, is not important really is. We'll go to Brother Tony and then Brother Don. And to confirm what Brother Paul has said, um, 
Daniel and Peter are in at OSU for the last few years, and they were challenged not to drink any alcohol because that will be conducive to all sorts of things down at the university. And these are the same limits we put on ourselves. I haven't had a drink in, in three years. Not that I was a drunkard before, but to tell them that we're supporting you by doing the same thing. We're putting the same limits on us. And um, I guess, thank God, that has worked so far. They haven't had a sip of alcohol down at the university. Whether that helped them or not, I think it did. But like he said, you put limits on yourself, the same limits you put on your children. What, what a beautiful illustration to your children that you also are in subjection to. Brother Don Davis, please. I remember my son, he's 21 now, and I think maybe when he was 16 or 17, I, I said, well, I love you, honey, or something like that. And he's like, honey? You know, and uh, he freaked out. Um, and then he went out to, uh, to college, to, to Arizona State, and I remember probably the first time and probably every time since when we finished the conversation, he told me he loved me. And, yeah. Isn't that music to your ears? Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. The, the mountaintops melt your hearts, especially after some turmoil, some, some disagreements, and, and you know that the Lord doesn't allow you. You, you, can't, you can't allow yourself to allow something knowing that God would not be pleased. And, 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 and you know, after relaying that to you, like you said, the wrath part will still probably be there. But you know, in, in trying to relate to him, and, and, and you know what, sometimes the anger they're so thick that you can't make that contact right away, the explanation right away. It takes some time. And then afterwards, they understand. Brother Ted, and then we'll go to Brother Bob. I just have to share the one thing. Uh, when I was 50 years old, uh, Dad and uh, Mark was never a great communicator to Dad until very lately in the last year or so. But I got a card, a birthday card from him. And I can't forget what it said. Not what the birthday card said, but what he wrote in it. He says, Dad, he says, each year that goes on, I find myself talking, doing things to sit more and more like you and liking. I think it's a tragedy that I had to become a grandfather and tell my grandchildren I loved them before I told their parents. And we have tried very, very hard to never finish a conversation with our children without saying we love them. My generation, and particularly my father's generation, just didn't do that. And I, I think it's a shame. There aren't any more wonderful, magical, if there is such a thing, words than I love you. And if you can't say it to those that are closest to you, it's probably meaningless when you say it to others. Brother Bob and then Brother Jeff. I'm sorry. A little louder? If I might add that his granddaughter appreciates that and feels Good. that. Thank you, Brother Chris. It's important to her. You know, I found that... Um, that I have a tendency to treat my brothers and my family a lot differently than I treat people that, that walk in fresh from, from the street at church. Um, with, uh, with familiarity, we get contempt a lot of times. Um, and I recognize that, and I recognize that I don't want to do that with my family. 
um, that when I get home from work, even though it's been a busy day, I need to make sure that they see Jesus in me um, in the way that I treat them. Um, and the way that I don't, I don't push them off or, or, or scold them or, or act the way that I, I would maybe act with, towards my brothers in the past. Thank you, Brother Bob. Brother Jeff Douglas in the back. Let me just share one thing as the mic is, is going to, toward the back. Um, Brother Bob, I, I think my father had the same. Growing up, again, there were eight kids, and he, I, I don't know if he ever kissed us before we went to bed, and obviously we were um, asleep by the time he got back, and we were asleep before he got up. Um, after I got married and I went visiting home, all of a sudden, after our conversation, we would get up and, and, and leave, and my mom would say, you know, did you kiss your dad goodbye or goodnight? And I, I'm a grown man. I mean, you know, little kids do that. So, so I reluctantly did that, and then it was expected. Here I am, 38 years old, I'm kissing my dad goodnight, you know, and my kids see that. But, you know, I'm kissing my kids goodnight because they were kids. But now when my 17-year-old says goodnight, I pucker my lips. I mean, I'm sitting there, you know, because I want some love here, you know. And, and, and sometimes he'll put his cheek on me or, you know, or you know, he, he does yield to that. But, you know, how important it is that we start this early. And it's never late, as, as Brother Dave Cap said. It's never late to start it now in your families. Because of the importance of it, Brother Jeff. That, that was my comment. It's not too late, uh, even if you mess up. My first couple years, when my oldest uh, was, was most sensitive, I was working 70, 78 hours a week. Uh, he really became offended and didn't want me at all, didn't want to see me or anything. So I had created a tickle monster. Worked. It worked. It brings you together. Let me ask you, brothers, one thing. Because you know what? As 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 men, we're, we're so quick to um, criticize. How would you tell me that I need to show? How would I show approval to my children as a godly leader? How? How do I show to my children, my, my, my offspring, that what they're doing, that they've done a good job? I mean, we have too many times our parents, that's not good enough, that it, that actually that word drove me from California to New Jersey. I worked for my dad. That drove me from California to New Jersey because nothing I can do is good enough until I finally said, you know what? You do it yourself. Brother Tom. I, I think that uh, uh, that that is the, uh, the the term doing is what we have to look at. Yes, how do we show them approval? Well, the most critical thing is, is the unconditional love that God has for us. Not because of what we do, but because we are who we are. In which now. ways, Brother Tom? And Specifically. And so... Um, Many of us grew up under the same thing, that we had to do something to be loved. And that's not how God loves. And so um, the best thing I can do to show approval is to show that no matter what, you're my child. I'm your father. And that, uh, you know, doesn't mean I'm comfortable with what you're doing, 
but um, that no matter what, um, I'm not going to reject you because of your head behavior. It's my duty to correct it, as, right. you know, uh, but uh, you aren't more valuable to me. You aren't more valuable to God. Correct. If you do it this way. Correct. Brother Bob. If, if that can be instilled in a child, that will save that child from self-destructing. I said my father never said I loved you, but when I got to the point where the cherry switch was a, well, you know, if I get it, It'll be hard to sit on a milk stool tonight, but by morning I'll not remember. And so the kick, I'm going to do it anyway and take what the consequences are. When I got to that point, my mom finally said to me, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. But remember this. Whatever you do from now on, you're going to answer to God for. And that was sobering. But what really kept me from doing wild things that would have destroyed me was the fact that I lived in the community where my father was respected, and I loved my father, and I would say to myself, you know what? It just isn't worth hurting my dad. It's the love that he had that I felt finally was reciprocal that kept me from destroying myself. I'm convinced of that. I, I, I am also. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little cliche, but remember this, brothers, those of you who have daughters. If you don't say I love you to them and show affection there's another guy sitting outside who will. And when he will, and when he does, she'll believe him before she believes you. Okay. Uh, again, going back to not having a father, the only one that was close to me was my mother. I grew up with men that were tough. So, even in school, daily, uh, lickens, from the teacher was a norm for me. But all it took was seeing one tear in my mother's eye stop me dead in my tracks. Brother Dave. Brother Sam, I think also um, we may be too afraid to praise our kids when they do things well. Because we don't want to make them proud. We don't want to make them arrogant. You know, but, but my wife and I more and more have, have looked at what they've done and, and recognized an accomplishment that they've made. You know, and maybe we even preface it by saying, you know, we're not supposed to be proud, so we just want you to know how thankful we are with you and, and, and what you're doing, you know, so that they know that that's the way we feel, but it's different if you hear it. Yeah, Brother John. And even if it is, doesn't reach the standard that you had hoped for, good try. That, that's important. Brother Paul. Before we run out of time, if, if there's one bit of advice that I think I learned from, from being a parent, and, and I don't consider myself a, a great parent. I think I've been very, very blessed of God. But... Every now and then, first of all, the Holy Spirit's going to give you a lot of guidance, sort of in vivo or on the on the hoof, or hopefully give you the inspiration to seek it out. I think that's why I got this forum. I was talking with Brother. Yeah, but what I want to share specifically is, every now and then, you know, I would be too uh, arbitrary or too rough, and I would issue out some some punishment, or I would be very angry or something. And the Spirit would come to me later and say, you need to go apologize to one of your children. And 
you don't want to do that. It's humiliating. Humble pie. And, and you know, you are supposed to be this powerful father, trustworthy and never making a mistake. But I think you should listen to the spirit when you're told to do those things. And I don't think you lose really anything in terms of face. And I think, you know, I don't know that I did it a lot, but I, I, there, I think in every parent's life, there will, the spirit will whisper that you should do something. And you want to listen to that because it's very, very good advice. Even if the spirit is being used. Okay. As a matter of fact... You mean it, it's rather, not just casually? No, rather than my kids seeing me as some stiff dude who really sets the law and is inhuman, you know? They see me as somebody who really is vulnerable, makes mistakes, and has the, the, the decency to come and apologize from them. I mean, actually, they can identify with me a lot more when I do that. But what, what are you teaching them? Humility. Exactly. For, for them also to come to you and say, Dad, you know, what, what I did was not acceptable. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brother Don. That's it. Brother Don Davis in the back. I don't want to sound like I have all the answers because I had a daughter when I was 18. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the daughter part because I think the way you should remember, if you don't protect your daughter, that nobody else will. And <clears throat> we had some incidences with some young men that thought that they um, – wanted to be a part of her life and we just stepped in when we saw things weren't going the way we thought they should go and um, I remember one young man in particular said well I can't put up with your parents and I, I was rather happy I put a notch in my belt on that <laughs> but uh, he made the comment to me he said well I said I told him I said well you're not taking my daughter anywhere and he said well, what do you mean I said well what part of not taking her anywhere did you not understand and he said well I know how you feel I have two sisters I said, you don't even no. begin to know how I feel, no. you know, and you have to, I mean, you have to protect your daughter with, with everything that you have, because if you don't, I mean, nobody, like you said, there's a guy waiting out there that's going to tell her whatever she wants to hear. Thank you for sharing, Brother Don. Brother Dave, Mike? And we're terrible at praise. Sit one more time. As men, we are terrible at praising anyone, including our wives. Um, but especially our children. You know, when we're out on the ball field and they hit a home run, we can say that was a great game, but when they do something spiritually effective, they were kind to somebody, they opened the door for the old lady. I don't think, I, I know I did just recently, somebody came up to me and said, my son did this to somebody else in the youth group. I immediately went to my son and said, I'm very proud of you for what you did. Now, I think that kind of pride is not the pride that the Bible is talking about. I praised him for what he did that was correct according to the scripture, and somebody else saw it, and he needed that, and that put him on cloud nine. And we need to praise our children better. We need to praise each other better. We're terrible at that. I, I agree 100% with that. We are very, you know what, Brother Mike? It's because we have to break a mold. We have to break a mold hand up here. Well, avoid using the word pride. You can use what God the Father said, said to Jesus. Oh, it said to the people about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased with what you have done. We, we can be well pleased. <laughs> um, just in closing, let me just, for the next five minutes, and I, it's, it's not enough time because these are issues that I wrestle with 
daily and fail miserably. And that's the issue of discipline. At what point, and you know, at what point do does overreacting uh, become detriment rather than an encouragement? A discipline is for for correction, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that we are to be, you know, God disciplines us and the church disciplines us for correction to bring to bring it back. You know, but how about overreacting, brother Tony? Well, before you practice discipline, you have to have very clear boundaries. Okay, that good. Are set. Very good. Boundaries. Right. Okay, and who, who, who sets those boundaries? Though? You do. You do. And where'd you get the boundaries from? Well, from, from, from God's from Word. From God's Word. Right. And I think that needs to be illustrated and said, these are the boundaries that God gives us. Go ahead. And then if something happens, the discipline should be commensurate with the act that was committed. Correct. Uh, sometimes overreact. I mean, for example, my daughter does something bad. You're not going to go skiing next year in Utah. Well, give me a break. I mean, you know, it's it's like shooting, you know, a the um, bug with a machine gun. And, and the thing is that they find out that you retract. So you've done, you've committed two errors. You've you've decided on a discipline that doesn't make any sense, and you retracted it. So she doesn't believe you're going to do anything. My wife says to me, Sam. Because someone, there's an infraction, boom, I lay down the discipline. She says, you know, you got to go retract. Your, you know, she says, you're, you're, and, and she says, you need to be careful because you don't become credible anymore. And, and I thank God for our spiritual wives who the Lord blesses and, and, and gives it to. They, God gives us wives so that they can sand off the rough edges. That, that, that's a little more ways than one. Brother Tom. Last fall, I had the opportunity to see uh, an example of uh, of godly uh, demonstration of, of godly control. Um, I saw a man break a colt. Now I've had some ideas of what breaking colt to ride might be, but this man didn't do what I thought he would. And in fact, in in uh, an hour and a half's time or so, he got on the back of that unbroken horse with no bridle and rode it. He made many spiritual applications during this time, but the method he used was that he showed that horse that it was more uncomfortable not to follow his direction, and it was to the horse's benefit to follow his direction. He developed trust in that horse. That horse knew he was not going to harm it. And if we can do the same thing with our children, if they know that we have their best interest at heart, they're going to be much better able to believe that whatever training we're doing really is to protect them and not to harm them. Brother Bob? I think it's terribly important that we think over carefully what we're going to say we're going to do. Because often overreactions cause us to say things that we're not going to do, and it simply breaks down the fact that, you know, that we have some authority and that we're going to back it up. I think that was probably, I had that problem as, as a manager uh, for some years, and, and, and it taught me that I should never decide on any discipline until I've slept on it. And I found that people really, you know, 
workers, 15% are there just for a paycheck, but the 85%ers are there because they really want to do a good job. And if it's one of the 85%ers, and I think our children want to please us too, and I think they're among the 85%ers, then we need to be very, very careful what we say we're going to do and think it through very, very well. Because we really need to be able to back up what we say we're going to do. Thank you. Uh, Brother uh, Bob, we're quickly running out of time. Actually, we have. I, what I want to do, though, is after Bob's comment, I want those who have children who are 18 years and over, just briefly specify one thing that you would change if you can do it all over again. Okay, just one thing that you would change. Bear with me just three minutes because I think it's important. One thing that you would change and do differently if you can do it all over again. Brother Bob? Maybe they can answer a question. I'm finding that with my almost four-year-old, I'm quickly running into a point where I'm at wit's end and how to talk to her and, and get to a point very quickly, very quickly where I, I say, do you want a spanking? <laughs> and it seems like that's the solution to everything. And right now, the answer is no, of course. Um, but I don't want to get to a point where I have to, that's what I end up saying. Um, so maybe the people with more, brothers with more experience can also give input on how to approach that. Anyone have a brief answer to that? Because I find myself saying, well, my kids were small because I said so. And now I say, because the Bible says so. I mean, any, any brother John, you're, you're, you're a brother Bob, you, you brothers have, I don't have expertise. a little more experience in this. <laughs> I would stop worrying about what other people thought of my kids and what they ought to do because they were elders' children. Brother Bob, in answer to your question, I think that children go through phases, and as the child grows up, she's going to be able to understand more, and, and it'll just be a period of time where, for now, that's almost what your response is going to be until they mature a little bit more and then they'll be able to understand a little bit better. And then you'll develop a more better communication as their maturity uh, increases. Those who have children, I'm sorry, and it's kind of short, but you know what, Brother Bob, let me encourage you, brothers. Anybody who feels that they have like you, a question that, that you're wrestling with, don't be ashamed to ask other people. Don't be ashamed to ask other brothers, those who had gone on before uh, who have the children. Let, let's just briefly, those who have children 18 and over, what would you change? Brother Ted, one thing, briefly. All right, we'll give you some time to think. Uh, Brother Jeff? I, have, I do have a <laughs> Consistency. Uh, the Consistency. new generation, the new family, right. they're told once. They get a spanking if they're told a second time. The consistency is awesome. Okay, consistency, good. Brother Don? I think that I would be more of a uh, spiritual leader in the home um, at a sooner point. I mean, right off the bat, like some of the brothers mentioned, I would have started sooner with, uh, with me being the leader and, and not depending on my wife to do so much. Good. Brother Phil, some ideas. Have girls instead of boys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else here? Um, Brother Willie? My children are all grown up and they're all converted. But I think back now, I'd spend more time with him as a dad. 
more on a spiritual level than being out there working. Because God provides everything, even though you think you have to accumulate to give them every opportunity. Okay. We'll go to Brother Jimmy Hodges. No, you're not there, are you? Not there. Not there. Move on. No, Brother Ted. Yeah. It just struck me when Tom said that the time that I went camping with him, that was one time. I would do, do that more often. Very, very well put. Yes, you do. Oh, Brother Dave. Wow. Um, mine is along the same lines that, that Brother Johnny had. Was to, I would spend more time playing with my kids. And, and I also have a 7-year-old, so I guess I'm still in that continuum. And the nice part is that my 19-year-old says he loves the fact that he can still do His dad's young enough to do things with him. Good. Brother Paul? I don't. Too many, too many good lessons. <laughs> Just one. We don't have time. If, if you will go to Brother Ted while you think about one. One thing I suppose I would like to change is to be less self-centered. Brothers, I, I think so often. I was too much concerned about me. Good point. Brother Warner, we'll give Brother Paul some time to think. You haven't said nothing all evening, all afternoon. You're Mike here. 17? You, I know you have one. Well, there, I know there's challenges. Or if you want to pass, I mean, I, you're legitimately not there. So, Brother Tom? Uh, I'd have to agree with what most people have said. Again, time is a big factor, and we don't appreciate uh, priorities that are there. Um, you know, the eternal things, right. our children that will be taking into eternity with us, the only one. is what's most important. And uh, that's hard to see as a young parent many times. Thank you, Brother Tom. And one more, Brother Frank, and then Brother Tony. And that'll conclude the evening, uh, afternoon. I don't know why I am. And I agree with Brother Bob. And the thing that I wrestle with with my boys is that I'm too nice to them. I'm too much. Uh, I, I try to be their buddy too much. And then when it comes down to doing the discipline thing, I cave. And then it's hard for me to put that wall up and... That's where I find I have a problem. And if I could change that, I wish I would have been a little more consistent with if you break the rules, it's going to come down and come down hard. Where I think about it and I think, oh, it's not so bad. Let's go on with life because I don't want to lose them as being my buddy. Right. Brother Nechiko, do you have, what's, what's your oldest? 12. 12? 28. Okay. Oh, have, One thing that you can change if you can do three things different. Just spend more time with them. I more worked time. on Okay. Brother Tony, closing comments? Yeah, when I have an 18, 20, and 23, and then a 13-year-old, 13, uh, 13 um, I would spend more time with them, and I'll be more of a godly father, a spiritual leader. Very good. go back in time. I appreciate that. And War did you? Yeah. All right, Warner will make a comment, but I do want to emphasize with what Brother John Joyce said. He did it one time, but look at the impact that it made. I do have a 19-year-old adopted daughter, and if I could change something, I would have uh, liked to have adopted her at least 10 years earlier. It could have made the whole thing a lot easier. Start early. But uh, besides that, uh, there's a lot of things that our family does now, um, you know, together that I wish we would have started earlier. And uh, I, 
feel that it was my responsibility to do that, and I didn't, but I am glad that I'm doing it now. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate your participation.